You take an ancient dinosaur gut and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla, king of the casters with Envy and Brandon and Jasper, who's a dog. I'm Podzilla, king of the casters. I'm your host, NB Nightingale. And I'm your other host, Brandon. Producer Jasper's at our feet. And we have a guest today, our first return guest, uh, mm -hmm. Sophie. Hi, thanks for having me back. It's a real pleasure. I'd like to thank the Academy. Oh, yes. We exclusively have you for movies that use a lot of stop motion in them. <laughs> I, the, yeah, the, good the niche. Yeah. By the way, Jasper is a dog. He's not a human that we're having at our feet. Okay, uh, so... <laughs> Today's episode has been a bit of build up because uh, we've been keeping it a secret. Uh, but with wrong hints, <laughs> one wrong hint, a very important wrong hint. So, folks, you've been following the last few weeks. You want to know the funniest thing, actually? What? I couldn't get anything to rhyme with two thousand nine. <laughs> so <laughs> all of the hints have been rhyming. <laughs> And I forgot what the purpose when I was making the couplet was. I just, I wrote these in advance. That's worse. I know it is. So, but yeah, folks, so. So over the past few weeks for this is the April 1st episode. Over the past few weeks, Bear has been, has been teasing me with these little, with these little couplets, correct? Yeah. Couplets of what this movie could be. One was wrong. One was completely wrong. <laughs> you said it was from a movie of 2007, and the movie we're talking about today, Fantastic Mr. Fox, was 2009. Leading, yeah. what a way to lead me off the trail by giving me a wrong hint. <laughs> I'm sorry, poetic license took over. <laughs> yeah, so I was it, desperately uh, trying to find what... <laughs> What George Clooney movie <laughs> came out in 2007 with Little Critters? Maybe that's the Berenstein Bears universe. Oh, you're correct. Uh, the right. superb Mr. Fox. Of <laughs> uh, if you would. All right, so Fantastic Mr. Fox uh, is our episode today. I count it as a kaiju film. Humans are big compared to the foxes. Foxes, I think... Proportionately, the foxes are smaller than foxes are to us in Definitely. real life. It's The scale varies a little bit yeah. over the course of the film. It's not entirely yeah. consistent. The fox has yeah. a fist fight with a rat. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very oh. big rat. Yeah. I'd be Compared terrified to, to see a rat that scale coming down. <laughs> Don't go to my neighborhood, then. <laughs> oh, no. In 10-pound rats with the striped sweaters. <laughs> if you go through around Fields Corner, like... After dark, there are so many rats. There's there's uh, some big ass stop motion rats played by Willem Dafoe doing little snaps and dances. Yeah, you better watch out. But, uh, yeah, but so this is a movie that all of us have seen before. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, uh, I had Sophie on because she is my resident Wes Anderson expert. Uh, Charmed. He's your a your favorite director or one of your favorite directors? Um, I don't like to commit to a favorite, but I guess if I had to pick one, it, it would be him. Yeah. yeah. A Wexpert, if you would. 
<laughs> I won't. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. Not, not committed. <laughs> not committal. So, so, yeah, so I guess just our overall thoughts with this, I guess specifically yeah. um, how, it, you know, maybe a bit about how it relates to some of the other Wes Anderson movies we've seen. Yeah. Um, I saw this one for the first time like a few months ago. Like, I think less than a year ago. So it did feel kind of weird seeing it again because usually I don't rewatch movies that close together. Um, there's a few new things I picked up on this time. Overall, I think it's a very good animated movie. I think uh, I think Wes Anderson's style really appeals to me in a stop-motion kind of animated way with the flat camera angles and everything. I don't know if it's called hyper-reality or whatever that kind of stuff is, but I think it fits really good with the animated medium. Yeah, I mean, despite coming out in 2009, this movie's my favorite film of 2007, so... <laughs> it lost to us. <laughs> Both times. It should... Okay, those Oscars... Uh, up was the worst choice of those ones. I like Up, but it was going up... Oh, it's your fault. Sorry. It was going up against <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox and Coraline. Really? Yeah. That, that's a tough I think there's like also another one that it beat that's like one of those you know how every best every year like one weird adult movie gets into the best animated so like a Persepolis or something mm-hmm. but yeah so I really love Fantastic Mr. Fox it's my favorite Wes Anderson movie I'd say and I, I'm a big fan really yeah out of, out of all of them yeah, out of all of his films, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my favorite one. That's why I was so hyped for Isle of Dogs when it came out and was a bit disappointed. I like it now, Isle of Dogs, but I was definitely disappointed when Isle of Dogs came out. Yeah. It's, it's quite a thing. Yeah, um, I would say for me, um, I've seen it probably about four times at this point. Um, big fan of uh, the film and Wes's style in general. Um, you know, the, the color palette is just so appealing. All of the oranges and yellows really pop here. Um, and there's like a, a snappiness to it and that, uh, Beach Boys soundtrack, um, it just makes it sort of infinitely rewatchable. Very autumn tones. It looks yes. a lot. I think one of the only other, uh, of these, the director's movies I've seen have been Moonrise Kingdom and Grand Budapest. Yeah, those two. So I think I definitely get a lot of Moonrise Kingdom uh, colors from this, which is funny because I saw that first, but that came out later. (laughs) Yeah, I... I'm sorry. (laughs) Brandon just threw a dog treat at my face. (laughs) It got caught in your curly hair. I'm sorry. It's like right there on your shirt. This is the one thing the curly girl method didn't warn me about. (laughs) I apologize. Who could have thunk? But, um... That's very good. Very good movie. So yeah, uh, Brand, here's the part where you talk about all the technical stuff about animation uh, regarding it. Yeah, so this was a stop-motion animated movie in 2009, which it's kind of interesting, stop-motion as a medium around this period, because as you're saying, Coraline was out this year, this movie was out this year, and I don't think 2000, you know, the 2000s were this big period of... Maybe there's a, a few stop-motion holdouts, like Wallace and Gromit. I think Curse the Were-Rabbit was the 2000s. I'm pretty certain. Yeah, it was. So, like, you have these kind of holdover stop-motion things. 
But overall, it was all CG. It was it was Pixar. It was I don't know Shrek three, <laughs> like like these kind of three D animated movies. So this was kind of a holdout from an earlier design perspective. It's Shrek the Third. Show show a little respect. I'm not showing respect for the third Shrek movie. <laughs> for Shrek Forever After, sure. <laughs> a murderer's row of talent in Shrek the Third. They're all wasted. <laughs> They're all left to rot on the vine. Listen, it brought in Timberlake, the man who gave the fourth best performance in the social network. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, um, so the stop motion as a medium, I always, because, you know, back in the 80s and into the mid 90s before Toy Story came out, stop motion was the way to do a, a more like 3D animated movie. Like, you could not do CG. It was not there yet. So if you wanted to have this kind of more 3D, a little more realistic approach kind of thing, you would do stop motion. So what's kind of interesting is now stop motion is not seen as, oh, we're trying to be more realistic. That's what CG is for. It's more of the, it's more of a handcrafted aesthetic. And I think Fantastic Mr. Fox has a lot of that. Even compared to movies at the time, like uh, Coraline and that Curse of the Were-Rabbit movie. Yeah. They were stop motion, but they were using CG effects for things, uh, especially stuff that'd be really hard with stop motion. Water, especially water, fire, smoke, all that. Did you notice what this movie did? Uh, no CG. There was one CG shot in the whole movie, which is when the water comes in. Oh. Like one shot of that. Everything else, like, I don't I don't mean like post-processing, it's a couple flames yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But like in terms of the VFX shots, they use like saran paper and uh, cotton balls and all these things. And I think it looks awesome. I love that um, when a st- I, I feel like that's the, the highest bar for stop motion. Once you get above characters and backgrounds being stop motion, but the VFX being stop motion, that's fucking hard. <laughs> like the shots where the, you know, the farmers are like running around on fire yeah. and the smoke is like dynamically getting bigger and smaller. It's like, that must have taken months to get right. So I think that stuff's highly impressive because you can't go back and like redo those. Yeah, it's something that I noticed uh, with the animation that really impressed me, and it's gonna sound really stupid, is the eyebrows. Right. But like, you know, in most stop motion, like the eyebrows like a separate unit that they just move up and down on the forehead. But like, mm-hmm. since it's like painted into the fur, it's like the entire skull is like, it moving moves, around. It moves yeah. like more of a clay yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And what's interesting is I was reading about how the hair for for the puppets in this movie were a combination of like goat hair, some plastic, and like these things. And originally, um, I don't know if it was the producers or whatever, but some people were like, that's going to be really hard to do stop motion animated like, you know, creatures and characters using more realistic fur. Because you notice most stop motion, they don't do that. Yeah. And the reason for it is because it's super obvious when the animator, because, you know, stop motion, you have the puppet and you have to, like, slightly move it each frame, you know, picture, 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 picture kind of thing. And between those, the animator has to pose it. Yeah. And they're worried. They're like, well, in the final product, you're going to see the hair moving for just no reason. Yeah. Because the animator had to put their thumb on it or their finger and such. And, you know, Wes Anderson wanted that. <laughs> he, he purposely was like, that's intentional. We want this. 
So I think that kind of, uh, it's like you feel it, like, touch it. Yeah, it, it, it does definitely add a tactility to the movie. Exactly, yeah. And then, uh, last thing about it is it's on, it's on twos, the whole movie, which is... So, uh, for our audience that probably doesn't understand what this means, and I didn't understand until you, like, explained to me what twos were when you were talking about Puss in Boots, uh, yeah. the new one. Uh, mm-hmm. Could you explain what twos are a bit? So with animation, uh, think about like traditional Walt Disney animation, like like Snow White and such, right? It's very fluid motion. So it's fairly common knowledge that like the average movie is about 24 frames a second. So if an actor is like, you know, if a character is walking on screen, there's 24 unique images for one second of movement. Uh, sometimes it's 30. Sometimes if you're weird like the Hobbit movies, it's like 60 and people are like vomiting and freaked out by it. Um, but there's some different things about that, but it's mostly 24 FPS. So animation, especially when you got to like the 19, it was a practice for forever, but particularly around like Saturday morning cartoons of like the 80s and such, they're like drawing 24 drawings a second is extremely expensive. We're doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here for like $100,000 an episode, which actually isn't that much. We don't have the time and budget to do that. It's a terrible strain on the animator's wrists. <laughs> as long as like as budget, everything, it's too much. So what they figured out is, oh, if we instead animate more on twos, so imagine ones are going to be, that's, you know, one unique drawing every frame for 24 frames a second versus twos you would do it for half the drawings so you'd have 12 unique drawings a second so that way you'd save like it would do half the time to do it so it was interesting enough is that more traditional animation other than like more cinematic disney stuff or like the big motion pictures they would focus more on twos so that's what and the interesting thing is just like how stop motion compared to cg kind of has a little more tactile to it a little more roughness you can see the fingerprints kind of thing a lot of like Puss in Boots, the new one, those kind of movies, they're bringing back because CG is automatically as fluid as you want it to be. Pretty much all CG movies are 24 or 30 FPS. Like Spider-Verse or Puss in Boots, they inject back in a little more of that of that that stickiness with uh, less drawings, but each drawing being more impactful or drawings, you know, rendered frames. So this movie is very emphasizing that because it's on twos the whole time, which, you know, for stop motion, oh, you need to be on twos. That's I, hard. I think it lends a nice sort of retro quality to the picture. Yeah, it does, yeah. Like when it's like moving the camera. There's something very like analog and pleasing about it. Yeah, it was on, um, there was like some kind of really high definition camera they were using at the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. All right, back. we're good. What you saying about the camera? Yeah, um, I know Wes usually uses film, um, Panasonic, like Panavision lenses. Um, but I do think this film was shot digitally uh, just because it would have been way too much money to shoot with film and do stop motion. Oh, my God. I don't even know how you do that. <laughs> just the camera's rolling. Okay, go, go. <laughs> like, unless you're a series of, like, film photographs that... There's probably a method to do it, but that sounds. Well, there's gotta be, cause like. Cause they used to the do old, it back yeah, the old yeah. bat bat the uh, Rankin Bass, not Ralph Bakshi, uh, the Rankin Bass. They were on film, so. Yeah. So there's some way of doing it, but I'm guessing at you know the 2000s that big period of like digitization, yeah. like they really had to. They were like, okay, we 
we should do the, the images because the puppets were expensive and there was a lot of them. I think Mr. Fox had like tons of different variants because you see this with like the Pinocchio Guillermo del Toro movie, the behind the scenes where, you know, they have like these giant versions of the characters for close ups yeah. and tiny ones for when they're far away <laughs> because they physically need to do that because they yeah. can't, you know, the stop motion studio, they can't go like 50 meters back to yeah. get the proportion, right? Yeah. It's a, it was a Nikon D3. That a they Nikon used. D3. Okay. Which is like, that's a digital. Camera. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty, pretty crazy how they even were able to do it. Yeah. I think there was um, yeah very minimal, minimal CG use. Some post-processing, like, I don't think they had them bury a tunnel, <laughs> dig a tunnel with all that. Yeah. That's definitely like composited in. Yeah. There's also, uh, am I correct in saying there was 2D animation also layered in at times? Like, oh, for like the skeletons? Yeah, when they're getting electrocuted and stuff like that. I'm sure that had to be 2D. Like they just kind of yeah. overlaid it with that. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's a yeah. wonderful thing. And I think it's uh, like, this looks better than uh, like the original Toy Story. <laughs> like, yeah, the early Pixar stuff, had, the animation is very touch or... The, the animation in early Pixar movies can be a bit rough, definitely, yeah. now, from our perspective. Oh, definitely. They didn't have fucking IKs for the original Toy Story. Uh, for, for people who don't know what IK is. Okay, so imagine... imagine Not me, obviously, but, like... <laughs> so imagine your leg, right? Yeah. So there's two ways to bend your... Imagine, so... Or better yet, an arm is a better example. So I'm going to go grab a glass with my arm, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, your brain, you're just controlling your hand. This is yeah. kind of just following along. Yeah. You're not actively thinking, I'm going to bend my elbow in this way. I'm just going to go grab this, you know? Mm -hmm. That's IK, inverse kinematics. So basically, no matter, with like a 3D puppet, you're moving your wrist around and your elbow is going to bend automatically. It's yeah. awesome. It's great. When they were making Toy Story, they didn't have that. <laughs> so they had to individually make the movement for each. So imagine, joint. yeah, they had to be like, rotate your upper arm, rotate your lower arm, and then rotate your hand. Huh. <laughs> so like, kind of how like how like uh, like maybe like an old toy. Yeah. That's and that was they stuck with for the fucking legs. <laughs> so imagine like, you know, because this is all IK. Look at this. Yeah. It's Hips a, are bending, <laughs> legs are bending. What? Oh, it's a you know it's an auditory medium. Yeah, yes. he's, he's doing squats in this. I'm doing squats, yeah. but you can see with legs how automatically you know you just drop your your torso and your legs here. You know, your knees are bending automatically. When they're doing Toy Story, they didn't have that. They had to like manually like upper leg like rotate upwards. It was a mess. So I think the advantage with stop motion in that case is you don't. You know, you have to set up the skeleton and the rig and everything, but it's going to function like a real life thing. Yeah. <laughs> like with CG, you had to put that in. <laughs> so I think that's kind of wild to see like an older process looks a lot better. Oh my God, that fucking baby <laughs> from the first, to the dog from the first Toy Story. <laughs> it's rough. Yeah. Ha, fun. <laughs> so that's a lot of the... That's a good amount of the animation stuff. It's just really cool to see, like, it's the extra oomph to have, like, okay. stop motion yeah. VFX on the screen. Okay, that's interesting. Do you have more animation stuff, or...? Oh, I think I have some trivias. Okay. About this. Love some animation trivia. 
Oh yeah, so get this. Uh, the humans, the farmers in the movie, the humans, right? Yeah. So the human character's hair was actual human hair that was donated, not like a, on a corpse. No, 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 like from a corpse. I didn't think so. It's still gross. Okay, I, like you're taking it back. I'm like, no, no, no. There wasn't like <laughs> you didn't like buy these off some scalps or something. Like, uh, so the the human it was from human hair collected from studio employees. At McKinnon and Sanders, the company that manufactured the puppets for the movie. So they didn't, like, go grave robbing. <laughs> they just took it from their workers? <laughs> I'm sure... I mean, there are lots of ethical ways to acquire human hair. People sell human hair wigs all the time. Oh, but Dave's getting a haircut! <laughs> I mean, if they're tiny puppets. You don't need that you much hair. Get, you need one Dave's... Yeah, honestly, just like that one guy with like the crazy hairy arms in the office. You just go once and you got it. Just get some duct tape and just whoosh. We got him. We got beans. That's how movies are made. The magic of film. (laughs) Cinema. Cinema. That's what the Fablemans was about. Uh, (laughs) This is your third Fablemans joke today. I'm oh, yeah, in a so Fableman's mood. <laughs> very, it's a fable. It's a very Fableman day. So get this: uh, the test tubes in the science labs when they were like kind of mixing yeah. all the stuff together. It was various um, uh, colors of fruit jelly because huh. they didn't want it to evaporate. Because if they yeah. used actual liquid, it would be gone before the shooting was done. Yeah, because so. it would have to be such a small amount. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Uh, more trivia or move on to talking about the oh yeah give us i have one really dumb one (laughs) hit us oh uh last one the not last non-dumb one uh in the scene where they're wading through the water and they're like you know about like chest level yeah uh because of you know stop motion water would be a nightmare to do like that Mm -hmm. they cut the puppets in half and it's glass (laughs) huh so it's like when they look at they're doing this waiting, it's they're just torso. There's nothing down there. It's interesting. <laughs> cool. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Like you have to work around this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the um, but I want I want to bring up this. Okay, the weirdest. Sometimes you find trivia about things, where I think it asks more questions than answers about the person who who put it in. Right. It's gonna be a doozy. Okay, yeah. so. <laughs> So I read this trivia, and I was like, why would you even put that in there? But okay. Okay, get this. Almost all credit card numbers are 16 digits, typically expressed in four groups of four digits each. Kylie's World Traveler Titanium Card has a 15-digit number, 3737-321-345-61008. Among the major credit cards today, this format is exclusive to American Express. It makes American Express tricky to enter into point-of-sale systems, which all seem to prefer the 16-digit standard. (laughs) Now, when I read that, I wonder, do you think it was someone, like, at a bank who works at a bank or something, and they saw this movie, and they were like, Oh, Oh, that's gotta be. That's, like, my dad gets so upset when, like, I don't know, when, like, people do... Since my dad was an EMT for a long time, uh, he gets oh, yeah. so upset whenever he sees anything medical on TV or a movie because he's like, "That's not the case. He's dead. Why are they defibrillating him? It's past the point of that. <laughs> let him die is what I say. I say let it die. Let it die. Let it die. 
Alright, so, on to talking about the film as a film. As, as a film, and not a series of... Uh, uh, instead of talking about images. the craft. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, right, so I I was very surprised to see that this is under 90 minutes on this watch. It's a quick one. Yeah, it's feeding into my theory uh, that I've been developing, that every auteur-director should have one kick-ass under 90-minute film. Just really tight, just yeah. really tightly paced movie. Yeah, I was watching Hitchcock's original Man Who Knew Too Much uh, the mm -hmm. other night uh, with Lex, a uh, friend of the show. Uh, and yeah, it's like 75 minutes and it rips. It's awesome. But, yeah. but, but did you know that Zack Snyder's Justice League is about four hours long and it's a thousand times the movie? <laughs> <laughs> and it's presented in 4-3 to preserve the director's original. vision. <laughs> Just wild, <laughs> you know. I once got for a full year access to HBO Max from a friend, based purely on their one condition: what you have to watch the sex. Thing. Yeah, I don't want to watch this unless it's worth it. Could you watch it for me and report <laughs> right. back? So I had to watch that four and a half hour film. I can't believe you prostituted yourself. Gotta get that HBO Max. <laughs> it was worth it. I had I had like one season left on six feet under. I needed to finish. <laughs> I had to do what I had to do. Oh my goodness. But uh Yeah. Yeah, I mean yeah, from I a mean, from a budget standpoint, it makes sense that this movie yeah. would be less than 90 minutes. Um, yeah, expensive. I mean, I can't imagine like how much each individual frame of making a movie like this would cost. That's a lot. Like thousands of dollars. Yeah, that makes like I think like the original like the Nightmare Before Christmas is really short, right? Yeah, that's pretty that's short. Like yeah. under hour ten, I think. And to be honest, I, there's not much like dialogue really in it. Yeah. Like it's almost a sung through musical. Yeah, it's pretty crazy because stop motion is expensive. Because if you if you knock the puppet halfway through your shot, you gotta do it again. Yeah, because of inconsistencies in the shots. Fun. <laughs> yeah, so this is a very loose adaptation of Roald Dahl's book, The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Which, you guys read that before or no? Mm -mm. I have not, but I thought it was crazy that I read that the movie ends. The movie keeps going from the plot of the, of the book by like half an hour. Yeah, like it's, the book is very short. I remember, I read it in like fifth grade, I think. Uh, well, just... I went through a real roll doll phase in fifth is grade. It, so is it more? <laughs> when I hear that, I make it. I make. I think picture book, but I'm guessing it's a chapter book. I. Yes. It's a chapter book. It's like you know. It's. So roll, most of roll dolls books are like <laughs> chapter books, quote unquote, but like filled with a bunch of pictures. They're mm. like mm -hmm. probably. The. Roald Dahl books are probably around, like, 10,000 words, which is, like, a fifth of a no normal novel size, but, like, mm -hmm. padded out with a lot of, like, fun pictures for kids. Okay. Yeah. So that's neat. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's a loose adaptation of it, and yeah. we open on a chicken farm. <laughs> Speaking of Roald Dahl, though, you guys got opinions on, the, uh, on that uh, thing that's been going around about, like, replacing his old books? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just going to be the UK um, uh, editions of his yeah. books. What's um, oh, that? yeah. Um, uh, the publishers of Roald Dahl's works, I think it's Penguin in the UK, yeah. um, 
is going to replace instances of calling characters fat and um, lazy. I don't know. It's a wide variety of things that, like, it's... Yeah, it's... Jasper's got opinions, apparently. But uh, it's a wide variety of things. Like, they showed some examples, and it's like, you can't go around pulling old ladies' hair is getting replaced. Like, it's just like a sentence from the witches. It's, uh... It seems a little ridiculous. I I mean, so... I don't want to be too definitive on either side. Obviously, as an artist, uh... The idea of censorship of my work after death makes, like, me personally recoil. But also, Roald Dahl's got some really fucked up shit uh, in some of his writing. He was a very uh, not good opinioned person. You mean more like, because uh, I guess it'd be one thing. I don't, I don't know, like. I don't really know nothing about the guy. Oh, he was like a little baby bit of an anti-Semite. Yeah. Okay. okay. So like the Oompa Loompas also were originally like slaves. Like they were like they aren't in the movie. They're like like no no edifice of like fantasy stuff at all. They literally like like, they literally are from from like Willy Wonka went to Africa and grabbed the Oompa Loompas. Yeah. It's okay. like, yeah. So like, okay. Well, then I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm I'm fine with it, getting that out of there. I'm fine with getting that. I think the specific example provided though about an old woman's hair. I'm like, well, that, I don't care about that part. But yeah, it's like if you put it, you know, if then he says, and then the old woman was a penny pinching, blah blah blah. And then yes, please remove it. Yeah. But, uh. But yeah. So. Ah, just interesting thing, food for thought. All right, moving on to the actual plot. Uh, best heist movie ever? Take that, Steven Soderbergh. I, I mean, as someone whose parents made her watch the Oceans trilogy many times, I like this more than the Oceans trilogy. I think it's more fun. But yeah, so... Uh, so we start with uh, with Mr. and Mrs. Fox uh, doing a heist, and they almost get caught. And we, it, Bran is still throwing dog treats in my general direction. Uh, but yeah, so we start there, and it's. Oh, you didn't talk with the animation about when they glow up. Uh, oh, yeah. This happens during this bit. Uh, they So he finds out that his wife is pregnant, and he says she's glowing, and she turns literally into a nightlight for a second. I was about to say, it looks more like a kind of like a rubber chicken kind of material, like the plasticky yeah. stuff. And it looks like they put a light bulb in it, <laughs> yeah. is what it looks like to me. Like, like, there's no real fur on it or anything. It's a very, like, different look to it. But it looks awesome. It's cool. Yeah, it is. And... It's not just like they oversaturated her for her part of the shot. Yeah, and so he promises not to do heists again. And I'm realizing how little plot there actually is to this movie. As it's a pretty we short plot. About it's, just, it. it's more of a more of a experience than that. It's yeah, a character-driven definitely. piece. It is. Yeah. It's mostly jokes and vibes. But oh, I want to ask you on the the movie though, Sophie. Mm-hmm. 
You once told me your theory that every Wes Anderson movie has one line in it that sums up thematically the entire thing. Do you have a line in this that does that? Um, I guess it would probably have to be um, where um, Mr. Fox is looking at the wolf. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact line of dialogue that he says. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I think it's more the moment where he's like reflecting on the wolf and sort of like coming to terms with his animal nature. Um, sort of similar to the way that in um, The Life Aquatic, um, Steve Zissou is looking at the jaguar shark that killed his friend and says, I wonder if he remembers me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's... Yeah, because this is... Surprise, a Wes Anderson movie about an adult in Arrested Development? <laughs> what? Never. <laughs> Thematic through line. <laughs> Auteur theory who? Alright, so... But yeah, so... He's now living uh, in the modern day uh, two years or 12 fox years. 12 fox years. Which we can... We can litigate the timeline of this movie later and the year it takes place in it yeah uh so yeah so two, 12 slash two years later uh uh settled down and is yearning to get back into the game uh tries to buy a nice house to put off his midlife crisis it's a beech tree uh, they were living in a hole before, like yeah. a fox hole. Um, yeah. But Fantastic Mr. Fox isn't like that because it makes him feel poor. Yeah. No more holes. It's trees only. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he... Well, maybe he shouldn't have picked a career as a writer if he didn't want to feel poor. <laughs> oh, God. I'm going to have student loans to pay in like... Nine months. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> My parents have been warning me to start on those and I haven't. <laughs> Maybe you should join the army? <laughs> they won't have me, Sophie. Okay, start stealing chickens then. Start stealing chickens. And if you find a chicken trap, go, well, it's going to go over here. Click. <laughs> uh, but Start stealing money from the bank. Oh yeah, so he and his new friend who's the the super of his house yeah uh, the, kylie the opossum a live-in super which uh, in the mood in the moment just go with it mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh they decide they're going to steal from the three meanest farmers in the area mm-hmm. uh and most prosperous ones bogus bunts mm-hmm. and beans yep yeah. bogus bunts and beans one fat, one lean. Or one fat, it, one short, one, one lean. Yeah, one yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> one chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah. So one chat, one, lo- one large, one lean. Yeah, that one. Uh, but yeah. So they uh, over the course of three nights, they do a bunch of heists uh, to steal from Boggs, Buns, and Beans. Uh, well, we haven't mentioned Christopherson. Simultaneously, uh, the nephew of uh, Felicity Fox shows up because his father has a terrible case of double pneumonia. So he's staying with the family. Can we ever figure out if it's the mom or dad's side? 
It's the mom side yeah, because sad. the uh, the coach says to Ash about Christofferson, um, awed by his uh, athletic prowess. Mm -hmm. He says, oh, wow, he even looks like your dad. And uh, Ash says, oh, they're not actually related. He's on my mom's side. Oh, yes. The lore is deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the... The double pneumonia bit kills me every time. <laughs> One foot on the grave and the that? other on a banana peel. And the other three feet on a banana peel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Christofferson is coming in and is and is instantly like everyone in the community is wowed by him. Um, Real wonderkind, to much to Jason Schwartzman's chagrin, as Ash the Fox, who mm. is Felicity and Mr. Fox's uh, son. Does Mr. Fox ever get a first name? Uh, I think it's just Mr. Mr. Fox. Okay. Uh, On the uh, the trophies that he's won for Whack Bat, um, it says <laughs> F uh, uh, fan fantastic. Mr. Fox, I think, or just like initial to like FM Fox. FM Fox. Yes. Dang, forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he never had uh, like that he... fairly off parents bit. Well, my real name is <laughs> but they, everyone calls me dad. <laughs> but on that same trophy, it says we, I, uh, I was able to decipher the timeline. Uh, it takes place in about a little laugh, must be a little after 72. Because the last name on the trophy, with still some room to go, is 1972. Yeah. Which, I feel like this could easily take place in the 70s. I mean, definitely, Anderson definitely likes a 70s aesthetic. In, yeah, he likes the sort of yeah. color palette, the like sort of muted autumn tones. Yes. But that makes you think, what is that in Fox years? What happened? So, the Fox years bit is very inconsistent, and I think that's purposeful. I don't know if it's purposeful. It's funny, but... That could be, could be anything. Yeah, I don't know if scientifically that's the case, that foxes actually age like that, if it's, um, yeah. like, yeah. you know, uh, like dog years. Yeah, so they... So on the third heist, Mr. Fox is so impressed by Christofferson that he brings him on the heist, mm -hmm. and they meet Willem Dafoe Rat. Uh, well, it's funny because the his son comes along. He's like, "Ah, get out of here! No, no one needs it." Mm -hmm. And Christopherson immediately comes and asks, "Yeah, good, great, <laughs> gotcha. Let's go." Uh, yeah, and so they have a bit of a tussle with Willem Dafoe Rat uh, mm -hmm. as an outrageous Louisianian. Louisianian? Uh, either? Sure. I, how many people from Louisiana listen to your podcast? <laughs> Surprisingly, our largest community. We're really gonna get in trouble 50, here. Fifty thousand. Choose your next words carefully. <laughs> gonna get doxxed by people from Louisiana. In Louisiana, so we're gonna take their Bayou boats right up here and kick our ass. Yeah, well, it was just Ash Wednesday, so I think they're um, I don't know, whatever it is, Catholics do. Morning abstaining. Don't eat yeah. Are you saying we're mean? <laughs> Don't, yeah. and, and as the Bible said, do not eat meat on Ash Wednesday yeah. or listen to podcasts. Yeah. Neither. We're recording on a Sunday. We're, we've yeah. got some time. Yeah. <laughs> it's already 
Lent? The, the Friday's Lent? The fi- What's the day where you eat fish? I think that's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mom would be so ashamed. She didn't participate in Ash Wednesday this year, though. Did I tell you this story? <laughs> Woo! My mom called me up, and she was, like, upset at people putting ash on their forehead. My mom is a Catholic. Uh, she was, like, upset at people putting ash on their forehead because she was like, yeah, I know he died on the cross. What's her exact quote? I don't need the reminder. <laughs> okay, then why do you wear that little T-shaped necklace then? Well, your mom sounds like it as if, like, keeps reminding me of what happened. <laughs> I was slightly embarrassed five years ago, and they keep doing it to me. No, her, her exact tone was like, derisive towards Jesus like she used the same tone of like I know what happened like mm-hmm. the same way she used to talk when she knew that I drank over the weekend in high school <laughs> I know what happened I don't need the reminder I don't need the reminder of what he did ooh three days in a cave ooh okay so Louisiana rat yeah so Louisiana rat is uh, yeah, and all the time is the okay? So is he actually a hired bodyguard for? Like this is something that I wondered watching the movie. Like is Willem Dafoe's rat actually a hired bodyguard by Bean, or is that a self-imposed title he's given? Yeah. Did he embroider that little patch that said Bean Security himself? Yeah, yeah it's extra sad if he did. <laughs> but like, that's my, that's my... the equivalent of like. Neighborhood watch guys. <laughs> He's God. very active. He will make sure your trash cans are in the right direction. But yeah, so they pull off the heist now. And and a movie. Nothing else bad happened. Yeah, that kind of yeah. works out pretty good. That's where that is where the book ends, I believe. Yeah, he like, has the stuff for that stuff. Yeah, they do like the three successive heists and they're a success. But then uh, Bogus Bunts and Beans decide to kill all animals in the area because of that. Well, I mean, they're specifically targeting um, Mr. Fox, uh, but, you know, collateral damage they're willing to accept. Yeah. The entire forest is collateral. <laughs> yeah. They got 108 snipers pointed at that damn tree. It's sort of an environmentalism thing, wouldn't you say? A little bit of a parable. This is Anderson's Miyazaki film, actually. Yeah, this is, this is his this is, him. <laughs> this is his Princess Mononoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, but I want to. <laughs> I thought with Willem Dafoe Rat, his whole thing was he never got to taste the cider. Was that, that his thing? Yeah. Or that he loved yeah. the cider. Exactly. He never yeah. got to taste the cider. Yeah. Um, and um, right before he died, um, I think my, uh, Mr. Fox gave him like, it must have been like sewer water or something. Yeah. It wasn't like actually yeah. cider. Yeah. I have another trivia. Oh. Uh, when they sent it to the, whatever the ratings commission is. And the MPAA. Yeah, the MPAA. When they originally sent it to the MPAA, the MPAA was like, oh my god, you can't have the scene. Because they, watching it, what they thought had happened was they thought that Mr. Fox, he, they thought that the rat was dying and that was blood around him. And Mr. Fox fed him his own blood. <laughs> <laughs> And when they first saw it, they were like, there's no way we can put it in the movie. Jesus, that's like a scene from the Northmen. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, then Miss, 
And then I think the the team's going to be like, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they had to do a little bit of color grading to change or whatever, but yeah. apparently that's what they thought. They were like, oh, you can't have that in here. Yeah, so uh, a siege is laid upon the critter community, uh, and uh, Mr. Fox almost gets all the critters killed, but then comes up with a plan for survival. Uh, and uh, they, so while all of, while the entirety of all three farms are trying to kill uh, the foxes, where they think the fox hole is, the entire critter community steals everything from their farms. Goes out and get all the things. So they're like, we did it, we won. And they're all hiding out at Bill Murray Badger's house, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, Bill Murray. Uh, well, I don't know if that's actually his house. I think uh, they've created a new shelter uh, in the sewage system. In the, the Flint Mines. Yes, ex- yeah. that's uh, right, the Flint Mines. Folks, you may know, Bill Murray's a pretty obscure character. You may have seen him in the highly commercially and financial, you know, highly uh, critically and commercially successful film, uh, Ant-Man Quantumania. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know him from anything else. You'd yeah. be the only thing. You'd be like, I think I recognize this guy. Yeah. This guy was a Ghostbuster run once. I hear that he loves being called the Ghostbuster guy. That's like his whole thing, right? He's like, I'm the Ghostbuster guy. Wait, does Bill Murray have a bad relationship with his legacy as a Ghostbuster? I'm pretty sure. Is it like a Harrison Ford thing? I thought so. I remember it was like really difficult to get him to do anything with it. Uh, yeah, that sounds yeah. right. Yeah, like they were when they were trying to do Ghostbusters. What you mean, three. famously ma- magnanimous and easy to manage actor Bill Murray? <laughs> <laughs> famous career, play, famous team player Bill Murray. <laughs> famous nicest man in Hollywood. <laughs> famous. I don't have an agent. I just have. A- fucking message machine and if you don't get on that every and i check it every three months yeah that's how he lost out on the role of like sully in monsters inc right <laughs> uh but oh john goodman john goodman was a better choice i think bill murray had been quite weird in that yeah like not quite Fair. so i'm glad moving forward yeah moving forward so yeah so uh they're having a nice feast and meanwhile Ash decides to team up with Christofferson to go get Mr. Fox's tail back, mm-hmm. uh, which goes horribly, and Christofferson gets captured, but Ash gets back right as the entire Flint mine is drowned in alcoholic cider. Oh, yeah. What a way to go. I do want to try that hard cider really bad. <laughs> Don't worry, man. We I live have... in Massachusetts. We can get hard cider literally anywhere. I know, but not with star apples. I have some right Those here. apples look good. Don't yeah. worry, Barry. As you dying wish, I have some right here. Because needs to pick up some sewer sludge. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Don't so worry. then they hatch a plan to... So first, Mr. Fox decides he's going to give himself up to get Christofferson back. Just let mm-hmm. himself be killed. Yep. Then instantly goes back on that when Willem Dafoe tries to kill his son. And he kills Willem Dafoe, and that scene we've already talked about happens. Yep, where he's dying, and they feed him the cider, and I was like, man, that's a very, that's quite a, quite a sad ending for that character. Yeah, I, oh, we also get the scene, my favorite scene in the movie, when he, before he is about to go give himself up to be killed, when he has the conversation with Ash about, uh, about how uh, he's like, when he was imagining what his son would be like, Ash is so much better than that. 
that yeah that gets me mm-hmm. uh but yeah it was pretty cool it was also in a, in a set from the dark Knight rises <laughs> you keep saying that because there was rain <laughs> there was a waterfall there was a waterfall yeah. behind them in the sewer pipe it's where bane broke batman's back well i'd it like to think exactly that since this movie came out in 2009 that it oh, inspired yeah. christopher so, nolan so you're saying oh okay so bat so Okay, so Batman and Bane fought on the set of Fantastic <laughs> Mr. Fox. Yeah, they were like um, comically oversized. Yeah, it was know. actually a very teeny tiny It was the same movie magic Peter Jackson used to make the hobbits. Exactly. So Force perspective, yeah. yeah. Force perspective, but to make the set look big. <laughs> Did you know they had to they had to clone a very tiny Christian Bale <laughs> and get him in the Batman outfit? No, he's just like that. He's always he wearing actually, lifts. No, he actually yeah. he, he shrunk himself for the role. He does this for yeah. movies. <laughs> he physically broke his bones every day to slowly yeah. get himself down to six inches tall. Right. <gasps> this is an extreme version of what he did for the machinist. Oh my god. <laughs> That's another good scene, though, when uh, to, uh, when when Felicity, mm-hmm. yeah, when Meryl Streep's character Felicity Fox tells him that she loves him, but she never should have married him. Oh, gut wrenching. Yeah, that's kids' movies aren't that emotionally complex usually. <laughs> this is not what I expected out of a funny fox tricking some farmers. Man, ba- bad year for parents. Who don't want didn't want to tell their kids about complex moral stuff. First, they have to tell them about Ellie's miscarriage and up, and then <laughs> and her dying. And her yeah, death. <laughs> her death is the bigger one. Yeah. What yeah. happened to the old lady? <laughs> then they have to be like, well, sometimes marriage is a really complex concept. <laughs> oh my god, it reminds me of that. That fucking one Reddit po- post about how Angela and Anaconda caused their parents' divorce. I have no idea what that is, but we have to continue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Onward. Uh, so, yeah. So, then, uh, Mr. Fox uh, hatches one final plan where all the animals are going to work together, overthrow the humans, and save Christofferson. Yep. So... They do. <laughs> they do it. They, they do. <laughs> Mr. Fox encounters a wolf, uh, Canis Lupus. Uh, he introduces himself, Wolfus Wolfus. He pumps his fist like he's in the ending of The Breakfast Club. Uh, wolf pumps it right wolf. back. Um, oh, I thought that was an easy rider thing they were doing. Oh, well, I mean, you know, it could be, it could be both. both. It could be both. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, they dance in a supermarket. Yeah, they. Supermarket. Noah Baumbach writes a scene in which a movie ends with a supermarket dance. Maybe it was Wes's idea in this movie, though. <laughs> is that's worse? I think plagiarizing yourself is better than Wes than plagiarizing like. It's a collaboration. There's plagiarism on both sides. Yeah. He actually found Don DeLillo's lost chapter of White Noise, where it does end in a supermarket dance. You know, it's kind of like how the American and UK editions of A Clockwork Orange are different. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little scared to wonder what the differences are there. Oh, so A Clockwork Orange just cuts a chapter. So the, the book in America traditionally ended where the movie ends. 
But then there's another dumb chapter uh, in which Alex is like 10 years older? Something like that, yeah. And he's like, you know what? This violence isn't all it's cracked up to be. I want to go get a job and do taxes. End of book. (laughs) Well, I think it's like, it's supposed to be Burgess being like, because forcing a moral outcome out of someone is like inherently bad. And sometimes people can choose goodness, but you have to allow them that like moral choice. I don't know. I mean, like, it's sort of optimistic. I I feel like the optimism robs the move the the book of its nuance though personally. Like I for me with the Clockwork Orange, the interesting thing about it is that the that the back half so thoroughly convince makes convinces you that like yeah, it no matter even showing me the worst person ever, it's horrible to to take their free will away. And then it's like a little stinger of once he gets his free will back, but that does still mean that horrible people have free will. And it's like a little emotionally nuanced that I think the final chapter undoes for me. I don't know, but maybe horrible people can not be horrible in the future of their own volition. Um, This is getting a little off topic. (laughs) (laughs) What happened after the supermarket dance? End credits. End credits. Oh, um. It was revealed it's, it's their. Yeah. It's <laughs> Felicity's pregnant with another cub. Yes. Yeah. And she's glowing. They're both glowing. They're both yeah. glowing. Yeah. They're the rubber puppet cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they dance in Boggus Bunsen Beans International Supermarket. Yes. Which I don't know why I thought in the first watch of this movie, maybe because I was like, starting to go up and do the dishes at the credits when it was zooming out. There was the, when he glanced over, I thought the reveal was that the supermarket was closing. <laughs> and I was like, that's a bit of a downer. <laughs> you wouldn't score that to the Bobby Fuller four. <laughs> What's going on? No, you gotta get out of there. So, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Great so, movie. Yeah. Yes, it's a great movie. So, I want to bring up another uh, Brandon dumb realization moment from this movie. Uh, I think I brought up earlier about the brunch thing. This is... Oh, yeah. Long ago when I taught you what brunch was. Oh, no. It was Emma Joe did. Oh, it was that you didn't know and we were litigating the fact that you went so long in life without knowing what brunch was. Yes. So... No, it was titular I taught you. It was titular, yeah, because it's the title. It's the... Yeah, you just... I thought it just meant like you a, just like, kept, emphasis. You kept referring to Matthew Broderick in the 98 Godzilla as the titular Matthew Broderick. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's not playing Godzilla, buddy. Wait until Brandon learns what the word eponymous means. <laughs> eponymous? Yeah. Uh, so if the if a film was called Fantastic Mr. Fox, say, mm-hmm. then the main character is the eponymous Mr. Fox. Same as the title? Yeah, exactly. He's okay. he's the character of the title. Oh. Yeah. So I have a much dumber is that, realization. Is that interchangeable with with titular then? Or? Um, I mean, well, I think it only refers to people oh. um, in the title. Um, so if it's a movie like, uh, you know, uh, House on Haunted Hill, it would be the titular house, not yeah. the eponymous house. Okay. Yeah. Huh. So my realization is very dumb. (laughs) So in the, because we're at the subtitles on the movie. um, It clicked. When she said, oh, the quote unquote, fantastic Mr. Fox. 
So I know what the word quote means. I know that. I know that yeah. it's the quotation marks. I didn't realize until that that it's sequence, unquote that the quote unquote is the quote is the first set of double quotes <laughs> and unquote is the closing of the double quotes. Oh no! And you say it before and after, and the word is afterwards. I just I was like, I right, quote the quote unquote, and I didn't know why. I thought it was like. Maybe it's quoted, maybe it's not, was, the kind of, was what I currently thought it was. But I was like... You just thought it lived um, in an ambiguous space of whether or not it well, should be quoted. Well, because it's always, well, it's always like, said as a sarcastic thing. Oh, the quote-unquote yeah. bravest warrior, you know? Like, yeah. I thought it meant like, oh, like taking the piss kind of thing. But no, it's literally the quote and the unquote, which is the huh. second set of quotes. Uh, not as dumb as the brunch thing, but it was kind of funny when I realized it. Okay, yeah. So, anything else we have to talk about uh, before wrapping this? So, it's quite a quite a good movie. Yeah. I've enjoyed seeing it the second time. I think uh, it's quite got quite a... I remember the meme of the guy smashing things years before I saw the movie. And I, yeah, where Michael Gambon just... Where <laughs> Lil Clay Michael Gambon just... I thought it was from Anomalisa. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. The human faces do look like anomalies. Exactly. When I saw the when I go on Twitter and I see that gif floating around, before I saw this movie, I was like, is that Anomalisa? Maybe. Also, I didn't mention this. Bean's son is the most British looking person ever. That's Jarvis Cocker. Of the band Pulp? Individual. Huh, I... You don't know the the band Pulp, the one of the biggest like Britpop acts of like the late nineties, early two thousands. I don't know. Pulp, Oasis, Blur. Okay, I know Oasis. Okay. I know Wonderwall. Alright, this is Barrett's homework assignment to listen to the band Pulp. You gotta listen to common people. Wait, William Shatner? No. <laughs> the original. That's, I actually like that song. Yeah. I think I think I think William I think William Shatner gives a Interesting nonsense. I like how you called him Willem Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> Will I am Shatner. Will I am. <laughs> Sophie, where can people find you? What do you have to plug? Oh, um, people can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram at Sophie Casarico. Um, I don't have a website. I should probably do that. Um, anytime I publish anything, um, I'll plug it on either of those two outlets. Uh, yeah, thanks. Cool, cool. Catch you around. Yep. See you next time, baby.